0: Hello, and welcome to Pre-Health Particulars. I'm Mindy Calvillo, the general advisor in the Pre-Health office here at Baylor. I don't have my co-host with me today, but we're very excited you're here. Our purpose is to help you guide your way to the health profession of your choosing. In each episode of this podcast, we'll break down an element of being a pre-health student to help you be successful and make the right decisions for you. Let's dive in. On this episode, I'll be breaking down the basics of what a pre-PA student needs to know. I'll be covering prerequisite course requirements, a little bit about pre-med to pre-PA transitioning, patient care experience, shadowing, the application, and then general resources and advice. Prerequisite course requirements. The first thing to know about going to PA school is that almost every school has different requirements. No two schools are exactly the same in what they require, which makes your journey to PA school a little more treacherous compared to, say, medical school. However, fear not, that's why I'm here to help you navigate this jungle. In the pre-health office, we have a copy of the Application Manual for Physician Assistant Programs. This book outlines, very broadly, the requirements of all American PA schools. This can be a good starting point since the book is broken down by state and can help you figure out which schools you should be looking at if you're basing it off of geographic needs. This is also an efficient way to check programs' mission statements to make sure they align with your personal mission. We also have the pre-PA planners in the pre-health office. These planners are the general requirements for all Texas schools. The planners have more courses listed than some schools require, but they're not missing any courses. Just be sure to read the fine print. As always, you can major in anything you choose and still go to PA school. If you're going to be a non-science major, you'll just want to make sure to add in the required courses needed to apply to PA schools. PA schools don't require physics, so picking a major that doesn't require that is a common wish for PA students, just something to keep in mind. I recommend all of my pre-PA students have about seven schools that they're planning to apply to and double check their requirements regularly. Seven schools has been shown to be the most efficient number of schools to apply to. It's not just a random number I came up with. Remember, each school you apply to costs money. So applying to dream schools or schools that are just kind of out of what you're able to do or don't align with what you're trying to become, it's just not practical or necessary. If you are a pre-med student looking to go pre-PA, welcome. If you're an underclassman, freshman or sophomore, fear not. Most of your classes that you've been taking or were planning to take in the next semester fall in line with most pre-PA requirements, so you haven't wasted too much time or money or anything like that. You will be switching your focuses from pre-med extracurriculars to pre-PA. If you are an upperclassman, your focus needs to be on prioritizing patient care experience and clinical time. Patient care experience. That makes a nice transition to our next topic patient care experience, or PCE, patient care experience is defined as direct continuous care for a patient or person. Think physical contact like taking vitals, taking blood, and caring for the patient's well-being more so than the logistics or maintenance of care. Emptying bedpans and doing janitorial work would not be in line with patient care experience, but would qualify for health care experience. Most PA schools will have written on their websites that PCE is recommended. This is becoming less and less true. All medical industries are wanting to see that people are able to take the pressures and requirements of a job in medicine. One of the common reasons that students choose to go to PA school is because they don't have to commit 8 to 10 years to getting into their career. However, this shortened timeline comes with the requirement that you have to learn in another way, on the job. That was a lot of details and definitions. I know all of you really like numbers. So the number of hours schools are looking for on average is about 2,000 to 3,000 hours. The amount is going up every year. So freshmen, you're going to be leaning towards that 3,000 number or more. Upperclassmen are going to be closer to that 2,000 as of this recording. I know a lot of you are like, cool, Mrs. Calvillo, how on earth do I do that? Great question. My recommendation is to get certified in some kind of medical focus. Some good examples are medical assistant, certified nurse assistant, and patient care tech. In Waco, you used to be able to get work in hospitals without any certification. This is becoming less true due to COVID and restrictions that it caused. Non certified students will be waitlisted more than likely. If you're an underclassman and have plenty of time to get hours, this isn't the end of the world. However, if you're an upperclassman or you're one of those pre med students that is switching to pre PA, this waiting game may be very stressful and kind of a waste of time. Where can you get certified? Community or junior colleges have great programs that are usually very affordable and reputable. Our local community college, McLennan Community College or MCC, offers a CE program about four times a year. There are also many hospitals that have work to get certified programs as well. There's one here in Waco that I know about. Um, These are great opportunities to save money and get that experience on your resume while you're working towards that certification. When should you get certified is another great question. Summers are great. If you live out of state, be sure to do the research to see if you can get, like, use your certification in Texas or vice versa depending on where you're going to be doing your PCE versus getting certified if they're not the same place. I would recommend doing it sooner rather than later, but that does bring me into a really important topic, and that is gap years. If you already know you're going to be taking a gap year, and that's just space between your undergrad experience and going on to PA school, so in other words, you wouldn't be applying your junior year. You would be applying either in your senior year or after you've already graduated. A gap year can be a really great time. And I would say gap years um, can be a really great time to work on that PCE because you're not having to juggle school and working. It just makes it a little bit more, it gives you a little bit more balance. This will delay your application, but that's not always a bad thing. A lot of professional schools are looking for mature experienced applicants. And if you need that extra time to gain those skills, that's perfectly fine. Keep in mind also that the average age for a first year PA student is 26. So they are not traditionally students coming straight out of their four year university and going to PA school. So if you did decide to do a gap year route, that's perfectly fine. And if you are coming into the pre-PA world a little bit later, maybe you decided to come into it as a junior or a senior, that gap year may be a really good option for you. What should I get certified in? Like I said, patient care technician, medical assistant, and certified nurse's assistant are very common and universally accepted certifications. Other common certifications I want to talk about are EMT, EMT. This is a good option but one important thing to note about this is that you cannot count every minute of every shift as patient care experience. Only times that you are with a patient giving care would count. All the rest of your shift is considered healthcare experience. So it would be up to you to keep track of those hours which does put extra work and organization on you. Scribing Scribing doesn't require a certification, so if you're financially unable to get certified, this is a great option. It's also a way to earn money to go towards paying for a certification and a good way to earn experience while waiting for one of those work to certify programs at a hospital potentially. Two years ago, scribing was awesome and everyone loved it. However, it's becoming less desirable for two reasons. You don't actually have direct care with a patient. And more and more scribing jobs are going virtual. So you may not even be in a medical environment getting this experience. So just keep an eye out to make sure that you are actually gonna be in a medical environment for your scribing. Phlebotomy is another certification option that a lot of students choose. It's a good option as well. It's a little less desirable just because it's not as dynamic as some of the others I mentioned. You're pretty much doing the same thing with every patient take their blood, send it to a lab. I know this is a lot of information. Feel free to email our office if you have questions about certifications. Our email is prehealth at baylor.edu. Shadowing. Compared to patient care experience, the section's gonna be much shorter and simpler. As a pre-PA student, you should be shadowing. A good rule of thumb is to shadow at least three different PAs in different practices. Since PAs have the opportunity to change their focus, getting a different view of as many options as possible is the best option. There's not a required number of shadowing hours for most PA schools, but I always say do what you can and doing three eight-hour shadowing sessions is definitely the bare minimum. Use these shadowing experiences to learn about the profession and what you want to go into. How do these professionals what they do? How did they get here? Where did they go to school? Creating these relationships with them is going to help you learn about the profession as well as possibly getting a letter of recommendation. Keeping track of these hours can be done using a spreadsheet or journal. I recommend a google doc because you can access them anywhere and if your computer crashes or you're not at your personal computer whenever you're doing your application you still have access to everything. Be as detailed as possible about your experience. Where, what, when, who, how long is kind of the baseline of what you want to record. What did you see? How many patients did you meet during your time? What's the average number of patients the person you shadowed sees a day? What kinds of care were they giving? How do you feel about the experience? And what did you learn? Were there any memorable stories from the experience that could be used in a personal statement? I will make a little, like, story time pause here. So whenever I'm going through personal statements, one in five are going to have the same story in it. So just keep this in mind as you start the process of writing your personal statement. If you befriend an old lady that hates everyone else, I know that feels very special. But unfortunately, it's a very common trope. And it just kind of doesn't seem that impressive coming from people that read that story all day long so just keep that in mind whenever you're writing your stories like you're not there to change medicine and like revolutionize anything during your patient care experience unless you've had like a full career and now you're transitioning to being a PA you're new you're learning you make mistakes they know that they just want to see like how you do In the experiences and what experiences are meaningful to you. Now, if that is a really meaningful experience and you want to tell that story, maybe tell it in a different way that's not mean old lady. I did XYZ to make her feel better, and then boom, we're best friends, and now everybody on the floor thinks I'm the best. I mean, it's literally part of the movie Patch Adams, so this story's been around for quite a while. Moving on, the application. The application for PA schools is done through CASPA, that's C-A-S-P-A. Applications typically open in the end of April and close the following year and the beginning of April. The application deadline can range anywhere from August 1st to actually July of the following year. I recommend students apply by July 1st of the application year, especially if you're applying to a school with rolling applications. Keep in mind, it can take four to six weeks for your application to complete. This is due to the process with letters of recommendation. The way CASPA does letters of recommendation, you actually can't submit them until the application opens, and they have to be submitted into CASPA by the individuals. So you can't just start collecting letters of recommendation prior to applying or anything like that. They have to be done in real time. But always let people know well in advance so maybe they can already have them written up. Let them know when you're wanting to have your application submitted so they know kind of what their deadline is. If you tell them, like, oh, you have until April of next year to submit it, they're not gonna do it in a timely manner. Most PA school applicants will take the GRE, but the PA CAT is becoming more common. At this time, no schools are requiring the PA CAT, but some recommend it. I say if it's recommended, go ahead and do it. If you don't do well, you don't have to submit those scores. But if you do well, then boom, you're doing the above and beyond that they're looking for. The personal statement is part of the application. Most of the time, your prompt is, Why do you want to be a physician assistant? or some version of that question. Take note it's not asking why you want to work in medicine or why you want to help people. Kind of going back to that old lady, mean old lady story, that's not really saying why you want to be a PA. That may be explaining why you want to work in medicine or how you've helped people in the past, but that doesn't really tie into your PA experience. I'm going to talk about cost a little bit because I think it's important to be kind of transparent about that. The first program you apply to is going to cost $179. $179. Every program you apply to after that is going to be $55. There's also supplemental applications that you may have to do, and those are those can have additional fees as well. If you do the seven program principle, it costs about $509 plus the supplementals. This is based on the 2022-2023 application. These costs may fluctuate over the years, but that's, that's kind of the, the quick math on that. General resources and advice. There are a lot of resources to support you on this journey. The Pre-Health Office and myself, that's just one of them. In addition to our office, there's PAS. It's the Physician Assistant Society. There's also other podcasts out there. One that I really like is the PA Club. PAEA is also a great resource. I would definitely bookmark it on your computer. They are the ones that list all the requirements for all the schools online. And they also have virtual workshops every once in a while, and those are very helpful resources. AAPA is a good one, too. They are a membership service. So as you get into your junior and senior year, you're about to apply I would look into possibly getting a membership. It's something you can put on your application. And they have a lot of good workshops. So they have a really informative and detailed application workshop every year that kind of goes into how to fill out CASPA, what to expect, and then kind of some insider tips from people that are working in the PA profession on doing your application. In our office, we also have the pre-PA info packets. These can be picked up at the front desk during normal business hours. This is just the tip of the iceberg on advice for PA students, but I think it gives you a good starting point. I understand if you feel overwhelmed, this is a lot of information, but don't fret. That is one of the reasons I'm here, is to break this down for you and make it make sense for you. In the meantime, feel free to go to baylor.edu slash for more information. We look forward to talking to you soon. Bye.